0: Welcome to the High View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I am your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at Highview Church, and I'm here today with our lead pastor, Chad Williams. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chad, how's your day been going? Man,
1: it's been great. It's
0: great. What you been up to?
1: It's been... Um,
0: doing lead pastor stuff?
1: Yeah. Uh, getting ready for Sunday. Oh, come getting on! Ready to, getting ready to preach. Yeah, Sunday. it's about time. You had looking, a week off. Looking, yes, and it was glorious. That's the awesome. uh, the one and only Tyler Sweat preached yeah. this past Sunday it at Ivy Church.
0: It was something.
1: It's, nah. <laughs> was, it, it was. It was. Uh, it was really really good. We've been uh, kind of adding uh, throughout this uh, spring and, and going into the summer. We've been kind of trickling in. These um, sermons that are, uh, this, this series, uh, from a series we're doing called and, With. Yeah. And so uh, Tyler preached on Connect With, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great Sunday.
0: Yeah, if you remember, uh, in episode one, we talked about the With initiative, where we're trying to uh, yeah, reshape.
1: Yeah, we had Pastor Josh on yeah, recently, yeah. when so he preached t- on Serve With.
0: Right. So go back and listen to episode one, and I believe it was five zero.
1: Zero five zero
0: zero five. Uh one of those previous episodes where we talked with Josh yep. uh, about serve There was some really helpful stuff on there. It really? There is. was some really great really job.
1: helpful stuff on that that particular podcast.
0: Yeah. So this Sunday we talked about connecting with others and we looked at a story of how Jesus connected with the woman at the well using intentionality and uh, had a genuine connection with her. Uh, And also had a meaningful connection where it actually pushed her into connection with others. And then something we did Sunday night was talk with our leaders about how we go about finding those people to connect with. what, What areas of life should we look to uh what connectors naturally cause relationships to happen. So we're just going to unpack some of that. We're actually pulling this from a Mark Dever article yep. about nine factors to consider when choosing someone
1: to disciple. Yeah. So I've been asked a lot. We talk about discipleship a lot in the the modern church. Buzzword. It is a it, you're right. Yep. Totally. It really is. Yep. But I don't know how much practical conversation that we're actually having to help people start discipling relationships. Yeah, And so what happened Sunday night, we do something four times a year at Highview uh, called Leadership Community, where we have every single leader in our church in one place. And we break up and we do some different things. But this particular uh, leadership community, we were focused on discipleship and actually trying to answer the question, like where to start? Because that is a huge barrier. Would yeah. you agree with
0: that? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think you're right. We, we tend to like, talk about discipleship as this thing that every Christian's called to do. In fact, I said that in the sermon, yeah, that are. discipleship is for every Christian. Yep. Every and Christ- then we just kind of leave it there. Like, hey, go make disciples. Go make
1: disciples. We, figure how, it out.
0: <laughs> how? How do we do that? Where, when, you know, how, and, and I think in, in our day of busyness and uh, just distraction, we often don't know where to look first when we're looking to make disciples.
1: There's a lot of like stand It's like this kind of stalemate where yeah. we know we should do it. We know we're called to do it. We know every Christian should be making disciples, but it's like, there's a, there's this kind of like, what, what do we do? And it's also a little awkward to initiate discipling relationships sometimes. Yeah. Cause it's like, okay. Hey, Oh, Hey Tyler. Um, I want to disciple you. No, <laughs> that, no, Next week we're going to talk about what happens when someone just says no. Like, yeah, you're not discipling me. Um, but th- that's something we yeah. we need to be able to think through. Is like how do we how do we push through and how do we think about who we should disciple?
0: Yeah,
1: uh, because I think until you have someone you are discipling, until you've thought about that, all the strategies for making disciples mm, they're not super helpful. Yeah. Yep. Why? Because you're you're still not making disciples, right? Uh, if you haven't started the process of discipling someone, so yeah. So we we went through this particular article, uh, and we just kind of highlighted some of the stuff in it that Mark Dever wrote. Uh, and if you haven't read his book, a really good recommendation for you. Uh, he's got a little book. It's in the Nine Marks series, little blue book, little light blue Nine Marks book. It's like maybe eighty to a hundred pages. Called discipling. Okay. Really good book uh, that that really unpacks just like how to how to start this. So a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear today, uh, you're, you would hear or read uh, from a from a Mark Dever type. But uh, but yeah. So we are going to talk about today kind of how to how to start. Yeah. Discipling. So
0: let's look at these nine areas, nine factors that we should consider when we're finding someone to disciple. And factor number one is family. The hardest one. You think so?
1: I think so. Why is that? I was just having this conversation with a pastor friend of mine Monday. Um, It's because of the proximity a lot of times. Weirdly enough, sometimes the closer you are to someone relationally, the more challenging it is to initiate a discipling relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why is that? I don't know. But uh, I do know that the family unit is one of the most difficult Places to disciple, but it's it is the most important place places. Right? Disciple at the same yeah.
0: Time. The the scripture is pretty clear about that. He actually references uh, Paul, who tells Timothy, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, uh, then he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And and yeah, I think that has to do with physical provision. But what better way to provide for someone you're related to than to provide them with gospel growth?
1: There are certain challenges uh, yeah. that the home has. Obviously, whether it's your wife or children uh, siblings. Yeah. If you're, if you're young like, you're still in the home. Yeah. that's another tricky one. Uh, at least I found that to be tricky. Yeah. Personally. I've,
0: um, I've got several younger siblings and I've recently been pretty convicted about, um, you know, what role spiritually am I playing in their life? I, I am kind of more advanced in, in life as far as I'm married, have my own house. They're still pretty much all in high school or middle school. So, um, I also had an interesting dynamic previously as their youth pastor, you know, so I had that weird like they were going to the church, um, but there was yeah. There's these this weird tension between us, even though there's this you know natural relationship there. Uh, I, I find it hard to actually bend that toward spiritual. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. That's that's certainly certainly difficult. Factor number two was spiritual state. And yeah. This sounds obvious, but I right. don't think it is. Yeah. You can't disciple a, a non-Christian.
0: Okay. Yeah, tell me a little more about that, because I've I've heard people say, okay, we're going to go make disciples, and evangelism is a part of that discipling process. And I've actually heard people say that evangelism is discipleship, because discipleship is teaching, and you're teaching them about the gospel, you're teaching them about Jesus. So what makes discipleship unique from evangelism?
1: For me, discipling is basically taking an ownership and stewarding someone's spiritual development. Right. So they're, they're sanctification. Mm-hmm. So you're you're taking making a vested interest in that particular person's spiritual well being. Right. right. Um, if that person is not a follower of Jesus, that is impossible to do. Yeah. Now, I do want to point this out. Making disciples, that that's evangelism, right? Yeah. Like you have yeah. to make disciples and then you disciple them. Exactly. So yeah. so really we're when we're talking about evangelism, we're talking about making disciples. Yes. When we're talking about discipleship, we're talking about growing, discipling them. Growing disciples, yeah. <laughs> right. That's a uh, yeah, that's yeah. a really good way to put it. So
0: it's it. kind of, if you think about it in human terms, you can't really help a infant grow before it exists. No. And, and we talk about, you know, spiritual life. You can't help people grow spiritually if they don't have a renewed spirit. Yeah. Right? There's,
1: First Corinthians 2.14, yeah. where Paul says the natural person, listen, they don't accept the things of the Spirit of God, Right. Right. Their folly to them, he's not able to understand them as far as as far as that goes. So, yeah, you want to disciple a Christian—that's uh, Dever's line. You want to disciple a Christian—that that's that's true. So, making disciples, yes, that's an evangelistic effort, no question about it. But discipling—that's uh, for those who have been made alive by the Spirit of God. Yep, and uh, seek to follow Jesus.
0: All right, factor number three is gender. This is kind of a sensitive one for for the day uh,
1: um, yeah how, how did you how did you handle this one in student minute? like when you were a student pastor yeah how how did you handle this
0: This was a very um sensitive kind of topic when I was a youth pastor i guess in, in recent days there's been even more things coming out in our denomination, southern Baptist sure. things you know with abuse and stuff, so there was there were a lot of guidelines about this particular area, um, told our leaders and other students, like, hey, don't be in an inappropriate relationship with the opposite gender. You know, don't try to speak into their life in an unhelpful way. Point them toward another, you know, if it's a girl, connect them with a female leader. If there's a you know guy, connect them with a, a guy leader. And, and I had this a lot as a male. You know there were um some of the students who were females that wanted to have these you know deep conversations or ask me you know questions sure and and my policy on that was either, hey, okay, I'm either gonna connect you with this lady or that lady's gonna be with us while we have this conversation mm-hmm. um just because there's such a sensitivity um t- in our culture to to that you know the idea that you know there's all these stories of abuse and and you, know, you just gotta be really really careful above reproach in that. Sure. That area.
1: Yeah. That's good. I, I think that with gender, something about the gender difference uh, just handicaps discipleship in yeah. some way. It just, it, it, it's going to hold it back in some way. Right. Because there's just some unique tensions there. Um, and it keeps you from being at the level spiritually you need to be at because you can't do that and avoid yeah. um, what uh, basically intimacies, yeah. you know, types of intimacies. Like right. Close. It,
0: doesn't, it doesn't always mean it's going to be inappropriate. No. Right, but there is there is a certain level that you just don't want even even to go there. Not just even if go it's there. like yeah.
1: I'm always I'm always I'm always amazed at how many male college students feel called to disciple female college students. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> like hmm, that that's that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I I think it's just as a general bit of wisdom, it's good to stay, um, kind of with your gender. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think that's a good a good rule of thumb in terms of person to person discipleship.
0: Right, one on one, it's more helpful. Right, and it, it really kind of it makes sure that your uh, you can speak to the things that need to be spoken to. Right, with each gender. Oh, I mean, yeah. especially if you're speaking into a younger person, you know their life. Obviously, you're going to be able to direct a young man a lot more, a lot better right. than yeah. you could a young woman.
1: And, and let's let's be honest too. If a young man. Uh, who's struggling with a pornography addiction, Yeah, is discipled by a woman, the chances that gets actually shared and confessed yep. Yep. are zilch. Exactly. It's just zilch. I mean, there's so many other factors involved there. I think I'm glad you mentioned, though, that from a student pastor perspective or even a pastor perspective, just generally speaking, mm-hmm. we do disciple the women in our church, but it looks yeah. very different. Exactly. It's not person-to-person discipleship. In the exact same way, right? Um, and so that, that's a that's a, I think an important piece to remember uh, as well. So factor number four, right? Church membership. Yeah. We should consider church membership when we are making disciples.
0: Which I think is something we do pretty well here. Uh, we, there's a pretty high view oh. of membership <laughs> here. Well done, um, sir. Based on you, know, we have well a, done. a process and, and promises that yeah. people are making to one another within our church. We call it our church covenant has eight we will statements. Right. And by nature, that is calling people into relationships where yeah. they're keeping those promises to each other. We yeah. will you know, teach each other. We will support each other. We will give to the mission of the church. We will do these things. And so it causes this natural accountability. But that can only happen if we've mutually submitted to that yeah. covenant.
1: If you, I would say this. If you are a member of a church that holds to that covenant, or a covenant like it that is encouraging you to do those things, praying for, serving, loving, all of those we will type statements yep. that are that are in a church covenant that members all agree to when they join. If you're doing that, you are going to be making disciples. Those are discipling things. Yep. And h- how do I know you're gonna be making disciples? Because you're gonna be with you like <laughs> with other believers in covenant. And you have promised to serve, pray with, sir. like so, yep. so all those things uh, kind of play into to that. I, I would also say too. I was having a conversation with one of our young leaders uh, at uh, the University of West Georgia in the ministry that we have there, you Movement. Yep. And I was having the conversation about he's discipling some guys that he's met through other campus ministry there on campus, and basically feels like. It's just hard to kind of rein these guys in, or stay in touch with them, or stay yeah. connected to them. Yeah. And and we, you know we just talked we talked about church membership. We talked about there are things that church membership provides a discipling relationship that nothing else does. Yep. So if I'm discipling Tyler or Tyler's discipling me, and we're in the same local church, that also means that an entire body of believers is taking a spirit an interest. Yes. In our spiritual development. Right. And so I'm not alone in discipling Tyler. Tyler's not alone in discipling me. That's the, that's
0: the beauty of church membership. The, the quote from Dever here is that Christians need the whole body, not just you. Uh, not just Come you. on. I, I've heard it put as well. Come on, Mark. If, it's, if you're discipling someone, they're going to end up just like you. That's good. Right? You're and, yeah. and in a lot of ways, that's good. If you're following Jesus and they're following you, hopefully you're both becoming more like Jesus. But if you're in a community where people are all interconnected in their discipleship, then you're probably more likely gonna become a
1: more well-rounded, a would well you rounded a well rounded Christian. Yeah. Right.
0: Because you're gonna learn things from people that one person might be deficient
1: in. Oh yeah. So. Absolutely. And Mark Dever, uh he kind of cares about membership. Uh, a little kind, bit. It's kind of a big deal. Mark him. if you're listening, we want Mark. you to write in. Do you care about
0: <laughs> church membership? Love to know. All right. Factor number five, age. Mm. Because yeah. young people Need some straightening up. Here we need some true. counsel. We need some wisdom because we don't know nothing.
1: Wait, <laughs> there's there's so much saltiness. In millennials. That. Oh, here need we go. All you had the, it in your sermon, you're like, I did oh, you, that was a fun and, line. But was, but, yeah. but I liked how you're like, you you make this like impassioned plea to like you're defending the honor of millennials if there is any, and and uh, and then. <laughs> and then uh, you flipped it and, yep. and, and played the...
0: I, I basically said, <laughs> there's all these generational differences that cause division, right? There's these, you know, yeah. whether you're an older person, you think you just can't connect to the younger generation. Or maybe you're a younger person who just thinks the older people are out of touch. And these these things draw us apart. And I said, yeah, I just don't know why everybody's so down on millennials, right? We are entitled to much better treatment <laughs> than this. And and the crowd went wild. It was awesome.
1: That is, uh-
0: but age... Age. Why is age important for discipleship relationships? Why is that something you should consider?
1: Because the generation you're in determines your level of saltiness towards others. So true. Tyler. So true. Um, yep. That's a good question. I wrestled with this as a young leader uh, and a young lead pastor. Like, how do I. Okay, I, I'm, I have men who are older than me. Yeah. And sometimes a lot older than me. Yeah, in, in you know, in leadership with me or 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 the, whatever. The
0: thing I think about is there some of these church members, some and most of the elders, have been Christians longer than I've been alive. You know, yeah. that's that's the thing I think about. Like, yeah, how then that's how true. do how do we as these young pipsqueaks, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> speak to oh, a congregation? Boy.
1: We have to get multiple generations to push through the intentionality barrier that exists right now. Yep. We just do not have, so whether you're an older man or woman who should be pouring into the younger generation or whether you're in the younger generation and you're, you're a millennial and Mm -hmm. you're a salty millennial and you feel like everybody, all the other generations kind of team up to hold you down. Nobody
0: (laughs) knows the trouble I've seen.
1: That, that's, that's awesome.
0: Nobody knows. So. But other millennials.
1: That's, yeah, there's only uh, like a billion of you. Yep. So, yeah, I think that we have to have some type of, I need older men to speak in my life. Yeah. Bottom line. Yep. Bottom line.
0: I think you made a very, um, a very good distinction in this particular area that it's not just about what the number of years that you know bridges the gap between you and the person you're discipling, it's often helpful to find somebody that's entering into the season that you're going out of. I really liked how you you um, shaped that part of the the talk because I found that helpful even for me as a young guy trying to think through. Okay, who should I disciple? Do yeah. I need to be discipling somebody that's ten years younger than me, five years younger than me? Uh, what about somebody that you know I'm kind of entering into marriage let me yeah. find somebody that's you know on the other side of the first five years or let me find somebody that's you know in college that's trying to navigate yeah. dating or yep. engagement like let me find somebody who's behind me that i can yeah. e- encourage and let me find somebody that's just a little bit ahead of me in the season i'm in to, to disciple me
1: i think that's a great kind of way to start thinking about who should i disciple and who should disciple me um and And I use that that's something I've used for a really long time is I try to look for me so i'm thirty four I try to look for guys in their late twenties that are already married and maybe don't have a kid yet yep um, and then try to you know that's typically uh a group if you know anybody by the way let's I might that. know a couple <laughs> um at least one but but so i try to I try to focus in that when it comes to who I'm pouring into, yeah, I think the older you get, I would say that some of that changes and it broadens out. So some of the men who are in mentoring relationships with me, I have like a friend of mine who's another pastor who's kind of doing this with me who's in his forties. Yeah. You know, like the older you get, the the gaps I think widen. You know what I mean? Sure. A little bit on the yeah. front end. But generally speaking, I tell people if you're looking for someone to disciple, I think honestly, maybe the lowest level of difficulty, find someone outside, you know, that five year window. Find someone who is going into the season you're coming out of, or coming out of the season you're going into. Yeah, that is a general. I think a, a really good kind of starting point.
0: Yep. All so, right. Number six, diversity.
1: Yeah, this is this is an increasingly important one because I think that we can learn a lot from people who have experienced different things. Right. Through discipling relationships, there is an incredible opportunity. In a discipling relationship, to learn about the unique struggles of maybe somebody who is different than you, has a different experience than you, grew up in a different country from you, yeah. grew up in a different socioeconomic, you know, socioeconomic position than you, whatever it might be. Yeah, um, I think there's an incredible opportunity for the church to learn from each other mm-hmm. in this way.
0: Yeah. I think one of the, the problems is we love—most often we love people who are like us yeah And we sure. like people who agree with us and and it doesn't grow us very much because we can offer up certain you know things that we're trying to work through, problems we're having, or even just you know conversation among friends and we like people who say yes, yes, All I right. agree, yes, I'm in the same yeah. place, yes, I like, and so we get this echo chamber of just we hear the same things, we hear people who agree with us. It's a lot harder to have a conversation with somebody who's going to push back on your particular yeah. um you know season of life or privileges or. Um, those ca- those type of things, but those those are what grow us. No doubt, challenges actually grow us more than comfort does.
1: I would say, oh, that's so, that's really good. That's really good. I think that millennials have do not have as hard a time as some generations. Yep, I would agree on the uh, things like race or even like social status yep. type type division. I think, and you kind of hit on it. The thing that makes it challenging for millennials, even those who are open to. You know, having diverse relationships with people from different you know backgrounds and Mm -hmm. so on is it's not that their skin color being different; it's their viewpoint being different. Yes, that's that's the because, quite frankly, we we just haven't grown up getting hearing from people who who have different views than us,
0: unless we're also behind a keyboard.
1: Unless, yeah. Oh man, yeah. And we can just kind of argue, yeah, yeah, in a faceless kind. There's a there's a fantastic little quote in the uh, the Dever article. Where he talks about the gospel is displayed in our unity, not just the unity of liking each other, but the unity of learning mm. from one another. That is fantastic. That's so yeah, when you're starting a disciple relationship, look for people you can learn from that maybe have different experiences from you. Yep. Uh, and that's a, a great place to start.
0: Yep. All right. Number seven, teachability.
1: Yeah. This is this is a big one. It it really is. Because I think that if someone's not teachable, if they're just not receptive to yeah. direction, feedback, correction even, man, you're going to be you're going to have a tough time. Yeah. It's just going to be tough.
0: I, I like uh, the scripture where Paul, he's, you know, doing doing his hardest to reach out to people and lead people to Jesus and disciple them, but if they reject him, he just dusts his boots off and moves on to the next the next town. Like they're not receptive, and so why would I just try to bully them into being receptive or why would I waste my time on somebody, you know, maybe sure. come back to them. Yeah. But, um, he was, he was willing to move forward to I, see,
1: I think when it comes to teachability, growth. you, you've got this, uh, dynamic where it's easy for us to spot lack of teachability in someone else, mm. but not in ourselves. Dang. This is not. Yeah, it's true. It's easy to be like, man, guy just knows it all, whatever. But then be blind to the fact that you're kind of like defensive, or you're mm-hmm. this, or you're that, or you're constantly like kind of like like someone's like, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? And you're like, well, no, well, like you know what I mean, like this yeah. kind of, this kind of heart posture of defensiveness. Yeah, that is a big thing to you know, That's wrapped up in, in teachability as well. So I would say on this one, uh, search your own heart. Are you teachable? So you're looking for teachable people to disciple. Think about. Are you teachable? Are do you model teachability? And are you willing to, within the context of a discipling relationship, receive correction, receive feedback, receive whatever it might be? Yep. Very important.
0: All right, what about this next one? Factor number eight, faithfulness to teach others. So we just talked about being teachable. Now do we need to look for people who can teach? Like, what does that that look like? That's a good point.
1: Okay, so I think what he's saying here, and, and when I first read this, I'll be honest, this was the one I was like, I don't get that. Yeah. I think he added, I was like, he had eight good ones, but then he was like, I ah, <laughs> need nine. I need nine. How, how will I have a complete <laughs> work? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I think the faithfulness to each other's thing, but the more I've thought about it, the more genius my boy MD is. Mm. Here's why if you're going to make disciples, Yep you want to know that they're going to turn around and make mm. disciples. And if okay. they don't have a willingness yep. to pour into others, you're kind of pouring into, uh, I'm trying to think the right word there. You're not going to see return yeah, yeah, on your investment if they're not willing to invest in mm. others. So I think a really good rule of thumb, looking for people to disciple, look for people who already seem to have an urge or desire yeah. to help our others, serve others, yeah. teach others.
0: This was um, its actually the way that we ended the sermon on Sunday. It was talking about, okay, this connection that Jesus had to this woman didn't end at the well. It didn't end with her having a really great experience with Jesus, feeling better about herself, feeling encouraged. So she was able to go home and rest. That was not her story. Her story didn't end with this dynamic relationship with Jesus being uh, better for her. Yeah, it actually ended up true. her going back to her city and pouring out into others. And oftentimes I think we... We just want to have these dynamic experiences that kind of make us feel better. Maybe even we'll submit to discipleship so that we can get through some sin issues, so we can get through some junk that's you know happening, but we let it in there. We let it in no with,
1: it. I've been taught all I need to be taught. I would feel yeah. better about my, yeah. my sin, so I'm good. I, I think that there is so much untapped potential, mm-hmm. so much untapped missional and discipling potential in the church right now from people who have been discipled who just flat out aren't making disciples. Yeah. Like, in other words, in a season in their life, they were discipled. Yep. For, and so their understanding of the gospel, their understanding of the local church, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they received that from someone yeah. and they're sitting on that. And I think that that is one of the things that I would encourage other pastors to do mm-hmm. as well is finding those people. Who have the biblical knowledge, who have been discipled, yep. and just simply aren't teaching others or pouring to others and challenging them to do that. That hey, your discipling yep. isn't complete. Yes. That that this is this is a continual process of pouring out and being poured into.
0: Right. All right. Lastly, factor number nine, time and schedules. Probably one of the more challenging ones for our day. Like I mentioned earlier, we are a very busy, distracted culture. Yes. We, we love to, you know, sit on our couches at home and watch Netflix for hours on end. Yet, you mentioned this at some point that we're still, we're so busy, right? Even though we're wasting tons of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My iPad tells me how much time I waste. Yeah. Out. Yep. I'm like, oh dear, help me.
0: Man, isn't uh, it crazy now that your your Apple device is more convicting than the Holy Spirit? It, oh.
1: that's oh man that's so true i think that well let me ask you a question Mm, okay so as a millennial yep all right which we've established we've established on this podcast you're a millennial
0: i am so are you you. you, you, but i just happen to be the younger millennial you
1: you are i'm the
0: more insufferable millennial
1: (laughs) (laughs) you You should start a blog. the the ins- the insufferable, <laughs> the insufferable millennial. millennial. I would I would subscribe to that. Okay. As an as an insufferable millennial, um, what what is the biggest challenge you face when it comes to time and schedules and entertainment and like what like how does that affect how you disciple? Like how does it affect how you think about discipling?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is. How our brains have been wired for constant, constant engagement. Constant things have to change. Things have to move forward. Things have to work. We're not a but sit in silence. Exactly, discipleship generation. actually causes you to slow down for a second and have mm-hmm. some kind of meaningful interaction with another person. Been trying to do that uh, more recently. I have a with relationship that we've mm-hmm. these things we've been talking about, um, but it takes a, a lot of intentionality to put the phone down. To mm-hmm. not have to check Instagram every five seconds to not you yeah. know be worried about everything else um, and actually plug into that relationship, I feel like that's one of the biggest things that i've been uh, r- my whole world has been wired for constant 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 engagement with mm-hmm. social media with Netflix with um and we don't have the, we don't take the time i don't I know I have to do that very intentionally to slow down enough. Yeah, to actually get to know somebody.
1: Yeah, Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work, really, really good book, mm. where he talks about kind of breaking free of some of these type of, of of tendencies that we have to be. And he points out that like, as a society, as a generation, to like really, we are stimul we're overstimulated, but it's in a very superficial, surface way. Yeah, so so we're we're constantly. Like you said, in motion have to have something playing, have to have something moving. You know, what I mean that whole yep. thing. Uh, and discipling happens a lot around like awkward silences in a coffee shop with someone. Tough questions, yeah. um, questions of yeah, really deep questions a lot of times. And so that just that's just the antithesis of everything we kind of how we function. Yep. And so I think that's a really important piece of this: is thinking through how my how our culture has shaped us to, to, mm-hmm. to be yeah. a verse, basically be like discipling a verse. Yep, yep. In a way. I think another, uh, something, me and my wife had this conversation because we were talking about our schedules and how that affects how we disciple. And We were having this conversation. There's a quote that Devor, uh that we used, that, that Dever gave, which was Assume God's not calling you to do something that's impossible.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: Assume God is not calling you to do something that's impossible. So, obviously, you can't disciple everyone personally, right? right. Can't do that. It's not possible. Right. Uh, so, with that in mind, think about um, what, we're, what we're doing as a family. I'd say what we're doing as a family. We're looking at what our schedule looks like. We're So, we're auditing our schedule starting there. We're yeah. going, how are we spending our time?
0: Yeah, it's good.
1: Okay. So, so, as individuals and as a family, how are we spending our time? And then we're going, okay, once we've kind of restructured our time, now we go, all right, we feel like this time's being optimized now. How can we, based on where we live, our proximity? I just had a mm. conversation with you about something similar to this. Yeah, how I can be more involved in a discipling relationship uh, at our church and, and and in relationships at our church. Yeah. So thinking through how okay, so once our our schedules kind of rebuilt around bu- I'd say biblical priorities, then you go okay. How does how does discipling people fit into this, and how can we maximize the time we have? Yep. To do this, so unless we're willing to take a hard look at how we're spending time, we're probably not gonna start discipling people, yeah. Uh, but if we're willing to, hey, sky's the limit,
0: yeah. I think that's a good point. We we already view our time or our schedules a certain way, and so if we continue to just say, Well, I'm so busy with all these things, no, you're not really busy, you just have the wrong priorities. You could restructure your time completely so that discipleship is that primary priority.
1: Yeah, or you have a narrow view of discipleship. Yes. Like yeah. you think discipleship's just sitting around with a Bible the whole time. Right. And or leading a Bible study or something. Like that's you know, and so those are great tools for discipling, but that's not all discipleship is. So some of it's thinking outside the box. Unless mm-hmm. you prioritize discipleship in your life, it won't happen. Yeah. It just won't. Yep. Naturally. Yep. Too many things are sucking our time away from us and we're too prone to fall into those things for it to happen without intentionality.
0: That's right. Well, uh, we're just going to wrap it up right there. Hopefully, this conversation has been helpful to you and to your local church. If you would, please subscribe to our podcast and give us a nice five star uh, rating and review. And uh, yeah, let us know if you find us on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Tell us what you would like for us to talk about next. Yes. And we will see you next time.